This is a podcast by Householders Options to Protect the Environment, Hope Australia. We are a community environmental education and capacity building organisation based in Toowoomba, South East Queensland, Australia. This is a podcast in the series Eco Social Work in Australia. It was produced for Hope Australia in Toowoomba, Queensland, on and adjacent to the traditional lands of the Jarawa, Guyabal, Yugara and Waka Waka peoples. Hope pays respect to the past, present and emerging leaders of all First Nations people in this country and acknowledges the unique contribution that their cultures make to contemporary Australia. Hello, my name is Andrew Nicholson and I am the producer of the Eco-Social Work in Australia podcast series. Over the course of this podcast series, I have interviewed a significant number of university-based social work educators and trainers in Australia, the USA and the UK. Many of them have talked about their personal experiences in training new generations of social workers in eco-social work practice. So I'm delighted to be able to extend this focus of the series to now welcome two interview guests based in Finland. They represent a mainland European perspective on eco-social work education and training issues. Dr. Satu Ranta Tirko is a lecturer at the University of Uvascular, Finland, with almost 20 years spent in teaching and research across diverse areas of interest. Some of her recent research work focuses on the connection between social and environmental disadvantage in the mining industry and the possible future of social work practice in the context of global ethics and the climate crisis. Dr. Inga Stam is a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Uvascula in Finland. He had a decade-long career as a social work practitioner in the field of child and youth services before becoming a social work educator, incorporating a range of professional interests including eco-social work and sustainability. In this interview, I ask Satu and Ingo about issues connected to training students in eco-social work practice. They share their views on what eco-social work practice can do to help tackle physical environment and ecological challenges and they consider what the short to mid-term future might hold for eco-social work intervention. So folks, uh, a warm welcome to you both. I'm really looking forward to this three-way discussion. This is the first uh, three-way discussion we've had in this podcast series, so it'll be very interesting. So let's go straight to our first question and we'll start with Ingo here. Um, so, Ingo, the question for you, and, and it will be for Satu as well, is for you, what are some of the key opportunities and challenges for training students in eco-social work practice in 2023 and beyond? Starting with the challenges, I, I'd say that um, a problem might be that there is not one theory or one clear concept of eco-social work. So many times students, but also colleagues, uh, practitioners might ask, okay, what really is it? Like, you know, can you give me a book or something? Can you tell me what's what's it all about, a definition or something like that? And we just don't have something like that. We have different concepts, uh, different terms for partly at least the similar things. Um, and that makes it sometimes a bit difficult. So um, that's, that's a challenge. Um, but there are also a lot of opportunities because uh, since eco-social work is not a closed concept, is it's it's open, it, it can be filled and it's filled with life, uh, if you want to put it this way. 
And students do it also themselves. Many are uh, active in, in environmental movements, in groups. Uh, they, they, some of them really know a lot about the, the topics such as sustainability and uh, environmental issues. So you can build on, on, on a lot of knowledge and experiences uh, very often. So that's uh, there I see a lot of opportunities as well. Thank you for that. And now, Satu, over to you. Um, same question, you know, in a nutshell, what do you consider are the main issues concerned with training students in eco-social practice? Uh, first of all, I, I uh, absolutely agree with Ingo's point uh, that eco-social work doesn't have any, any one solid theoretical foundation. And actually, when teaching in the Finnish context, then there is also an issue like how to translate those concepts that are there <clears throat> between languages. Uh, but I think ecosystem work is um, basically a, a structural and community-based framework that then utilizes many um, theoretical ingredients <clears throat> and which acknowledges and addresses to current simultaneously local and global um, <clears throat> socioeconomic and environmental problems and the need to work them um, in, in a holistic manner and in scales, both big and small. Uh, I think much of ecosystem work is figuring out in in diverse ways how to acknowledge and <laughs> at least not to harm uh, the natural environment and and overall the web of life on on Earth while working with the social issues. If I'm thinking about the opportunities as an educator, uh, so um, I I think that there is actually a huge opportunity to 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 try to connect and embed the ecosocial or, or ecological framework uh, as part of the students' perception and understanding of social work in, in both their thinking and also in their practice uh, and help the students to think about social work in a longer term or, or futures orientation and um, grasp the possibilities or even just directions to work for, for kind of more hopeful futures. Um, <clears throat> And then I think there are also many challenges because, uh, as Ingo said, the idea of what ecosocial work is, is uh, for many to start with quite alien and difficult to grasp. Uh, and also the, the thinking of social work is often limited to the current service uh, infrastructures uh, and even legislation that we have and the kind of ways of working that stem from those. And therefore, it's often quite difficult to carve out uh, room for ecosocial work. Yeah, thanks for that, folks, both of you. Look, I'm particularly interested here in um, one idea, it seems to me anyway, linked to comments you both raised, and it also it resonates with points that have come up in discussion with other podcast series guests. And it goes to that seeming lack of a uh, an easily accessible, integrated um, eco-social work knowledge base, um, you know, lack of theory or however you want to put that. But I've, I've thought, you know, and I've discussed this with other people in the past, but as a possible solution to that problem, I'd, just, I'd be interested to know what you think about this in very brief. What about, um, you know, something like a massive open online course? I, I've personally thought the eco-social work field is crying out for some sort of easily accessible international uh, learning resource which could, you know, perhaps be produced through national or international training institution collaboration. I mean, surely such an online, widely accessible and academically robust, of course, introductory educational framework on the topic of eco-social work could surely help speed its diffusion into social work practice. 
I'm personally not aware that any such MOOC, um, Massive Open Online Course, exists. I put that out there really as a comment, um, but uh, it, it's not the first time that this idea of a, a lack of a theoretical base has come up. Let's now just go a little bit more into the personal experience of yourselves as social work trainers as I ask you both question two. Now, that question is, as a trainer or teacher, however you want to uh, put it, uh, what is particularly important and interesting or rewarding for you or, or all three in providing eco-social work training? And again, if, if Ingo, you want to start off there. Yes, um, I just, uh, in preparation of, of this podcast, I, I uh, remembered uh, what a student said uh, in a course. I did an online course actually in Germany for students, social work students in Frankfurt. And the student said that um, one of the most important insights was that I really understood that there are so many connection points between social work and environmental issues, climate crisis and sustainability. So that was obviously also very nice for me to hear that that it became clear to him and I think also the whole group how important it is and 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 what it all means and and how many possibilities also there are uh, in terms of how to uh, translate it uh, uh, for social work practice so kind of um, this is a big part and then also as always exchanging ideas and and seeing students creating new uh, ideas and projects that's also an important part I always have in my seminars uh, the, the, at the end, uh, the task for the students to come up with some project ideas and really kind of uh, spell it out, how could it be implemented? And and again, the students very often say, ah, now it's I see that it's possible. It's uh, it's possible to do something and, and, and to do eco-social work without maybe having this like kind of stiff uh, theoretical framework always, but that's not so important uh, in this case. So So these are just some examples that are really um, interesting and rewarding for me as a social work teacher. And Satu, your, your comments on that same theme, what is it about eco-social work education that most grabs your interest? Well, I have kind of a highly similar uh, experience. So <clears throat> my experience is that not for everyone, but for many, the the whole approach is kind of alien and they they ask, like, what does this have to do with social work? And then this connection uh, takes place uh, and students can see the structural and macro sites and also possibilities of, <clears throat> of eco-social work. Um, and, and many of them get also inspired. Uh, <clears throat> then uh, when they reflect this against the kind of practice placements where, where they have been, it it also, they, they are critically aware that it also requires some creativity and guts to think a bit outside of the box. Uh, uh, and envision practices and, and social work beyond what already exists uh, in the service uh, structures. And also like, how, how we perceive our society in, in the current uh, current mo moment. But um, yeah, as um, uh, as Inge already told, they, they can envision at least smaller projects. And often the response is that there are small, small ways I can start integrating this into my practice. So, so I, I think that, uh, that, that those kind of possibilities are there. And then there are, of course, those who who also start to really envision like more macro scale uh, like approaches. Some of some of them then turn to doing PhDs and stuff like that. Thank you. Um, 
I, I've never taught uh, social work students as such, but I have been involved in uh, placement supervision, a local sort of eco-social work green group that uh, I work with in the local area here in Australia. Um, so watch some of, and help supervise some of those students on eco-oriented placement. And it, it did interest me because of my past occasional environmental educator experience, um, hearing some echoes both from yourselves but other um, trainers, social work trainers and educators in this series, there's a bit of an echo there of, of uh, effective environmental education principles going back to the 1970s, you know, primarily the action research framework in which real world experience of environmental problems and issues forms an important part of a collaborative education process between educator and student. And the value of helping students develop an understanding of that holistic interconnection between different environmental problem driver levels, you know, just mentioned there, um, Sartu, you know, that macro, micro divide there, that the actual you know, difference between personal consumption patterns all the way up to system level failings of neoliberal economic development, the lack of effective political and regulatory controls on escalating environmental damage. It's all there in the mix, you know, and it's interconnected. Everything is connected to everything else, as the holistic principle tells us. But anyway, moving on, as I say, um, moving from education to application, as we might put it. Let's now hear some comments about possible practical implementation of eco-social work ideas and approaches. So the question here, question three is, in both of your views, in your view, how can eco-social work practice help tackle climate disruption, other physical environment and sustainability challenges, and the closely linked social justice concerns that go along with them? So again, we'll start with Ingo, if that's okay. Well, first of all, uh, one has to define um practice uh, um, certainly and i think uh, also structural social work uh, structural level which is actually part of the official um uh, kind of um role of social work in finland um that's also part of the practice so their social work has a role to play also uh, in the form of eco social social work um it is political work awareness rising etc um there are some some methods we we know quite a lot about um then when we speak of more classical social work which might be more on the community level or with individuals also there i think it's it's important to keep in mind that uh, the climate crisis environmental crisis are always uh, also about justice as well so it's uh, it's an important role of social work in their daily practice to support certain groups and certain individuals who might be more affected by um, these uh, ecological uh, problems and uh, or might be disadvantaged when it comes to also climate mitigation um, uh, programs. Also, there's a problem and social work has a role to play there as well. Uh, and as you said before, I mean, it's obviously uh, trying at least to 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 bring the, the the macro and the micro together and not seeing it as uh, something completely different because also another role would be to kind of transport experiences from from the if you want to call it that way from the bottom from the people to the the structural level and to um yeah raise awareness also uh, amongst the decision makers politi politicians etc i think so many different roles as always for social workers and Satu, what what is your response to the same question on on the capacity of the potential for direct eco-social work action on the ground, as it were? Uh, well, I think that capacity is there, and um, <clears throat> yeah, so eco-social work. I think it's really an evolving project, and it takes different 
different forms in different uh, uh, different contexts, and I, that has to be the case because I think that there has to be really like diverse sort of locally meaningful uh, responses to the issues that we live with. And actually, when you mentioned this um, action research uh, approach, interestingly, I just recently had a chance to follow uh, the field practice experiences of a group of uh, Indian social work students, and they had absolutely had all action research projects uh, in various local communities, uh, especially regarding the impacts of climate change into their lives. So this kind of work is really taking place in diverse forms around the globe and sometimes more concretely in some countries of the global south than where also the environmental issues are maybe more even more directly uh, experienced than in, in, in places like Finland. Uh, so I see that much potential is there uh, and that it's tightly connected with the uh, broader systemic transition that we need to go through as societies. And why I think social work is <laughs> an eco-social work is like really a key field in this um, is that the transition requires massive social and cultural and, and not, not just only technological change. We, we have to transform our, uh, <clears throat> our social and cultural uh, lives. And, and uh, then social workers should be experts in uh, facilitating the change in the lives of individuals and communities and also organize care and, and kind of uh, carry and call for uh, collective responsibility, uh, you know, along the lines of the ethical principles that uh, social work commits to. Uh, so, so I think that social work is one of those fields that is really well versed with uh, to to <laughs> really to to work, uh, you know, hands on with these changes needed and along uh, the ethical principles that that guide it, and uh, and in this way do its own part. Uh, carrying out the changes uh, needed. Uh, and I think eco-social work can be and should be a highly useful and a important field in the in the broader uh, transition projects. But then, like, uh, I'm, I'm painfully aware that there are really many impediments and obstacles also in this, uh, in this project. Uh, as uh, as the US-based based scholar Fred Bestern long, long ago stated, Social work also needs to become a transformed discipline and practice in itself, and this is not a simple thing to to uh, achieve. And also, uh, uh, how to say, if social workers, you know, usually have been those who kind of facilitate it, facilitate these processes of change, but now uh, this transition pressure holds on them equally as practitioners, as individuals, as uh, scholars, sometimes maybe to greater extent, extent than what it comes to their service user or, or, or client group. So we are kind of together uh, in this mess with everyone else, including those people we, uh, we work for and, and work with. Uh, and there are huge issues of global inequality to, uh, to address. <clears throat> so I think also the kind of Concerns and responsibilities might be a little bit different in uh, uh, in affluent countries like Finland, where, for instance, the greenhouse gas emissions are high, and that has consequences over the lives <laughs> uh, of people in in uh, in many other parts of the globe. But everywhere, I think we need to uh, be able to rethink and renew 
also our received views on on social work uh, and especially in affluent countries like Finland uh, yeah I, I think that's kind of a necessity uh, to do and something that we have to uh, have to face and if I'm thinking further like why really should mainstream social work uh, be concerned uh, I, I think it's it's clear from the point of view that uh, we have problems that may really challenge the continuity of human life on Earth as well as other life forms on Earth. And uh, the outcomes of climate change are really potentially devastative to social work and what it has so far uh, achieved and, and absolutely unjust uh, socially. So as we are in the middle of kind of a civilizational crisis, uh, and uh, responding to which really requires massive social and cultural change, which should be also just and socially acceptable, because I don't know how otherwise <laughs> it could uh, <clears throat> proceed. So then uh, if social work wouldn't be involved in this, so then then who? I, I, uh, for, for me, this motivation is really clear, uh, clear cut. And I don't... I, I cannot find any ethical justifications not to engage <laughs> in this uh, in this project. So I, I I really think that social work has all the reasons to be concerned. Santi, thank you so much for putting that so clearly and incisively. You know, I just take a couple of points out of both sets of comments, but they they really both go. Uh, my comments, my response goes to that issue about social work's transformation, just like every other sector of society that needs to be part of this uh, global transformation too socially fairer, more ecologically healthy, um, prosperous, you know, global uh, society. But two points come out of this. The first is that the mainstream social work profession is debatably starting to make the these sort of changes toward incorporating linked physical, environmental and social justice concerns into practice. That's moving toward um, the transformation of the discipline that you've just, you know, the required uh, transformation you've just mentioned there, I think, Satu. For example, last year, the International Conference on Co-Creating an Eco-Social World, Leaving No One Behind, generated a lot of interest and a manifesto for change around those issues. On the other hand, I see the forces of inertia and resistance to change, even beneficial change, are clearly there embedded in the social work profession. I've heard this from a number of speakers in this podcast series, and that's the same for any institution and sector of society. Change is difficult, change is hard, you know, change takes time, blah, blah. But that resistance to change is holding back the required pace and speed of system level reform we do need to create that more ecologically healthy and socially fairer world. And I think that's particularly regrettable because of the growing potential of physical environmental problems such as climate disruption to greatly reduce social work's future capacity to carry out its core mission of promoting social justice outcomes. And of course, such concerns about social work's slowness to incorporate physical environmental concerns are not new. Uh, I think you've just, in a sense, pointed there uh, to that by talking about uh, Fred Beston, his work, one of the early academic visionaries on this topic. In Finland, uh, also linked to the University of Uvascular, you have the um, eco-social work research of Ayla Lina Martis and Kati Nari. I hope I got close to pronouncing their names correctly. Their um, research work on eco-social work practice going back as far as the late 1990s, early 2000s. And perhaps most assertively of all, you had John Coates working in the late 90s and early 2000s, 
who left us a memorable quote from a 2003, 20 years ago book, which seems even more relevant now than when he first penned the idea 20 years ago. To quote John Coates, social work has a choice of continuing to support a self-defeating social order or recreating itself to work towards a just and sustainable society. So we've been looking a little bit into the rearview mirror, the history of ideas and professional practices, you know, the speed of change, what holds it back. Now, as we move towards the completion of this interview, let's shift the focus toward the future. And I want to ask you both to use your creative imaginations a little as you give us some ideas about a possible preferred future for eco-social work practice. So the specific question for you both now at question four is, what could or should the short to midterm future, say the next two to 10 years, hold for eco-social work intervention as a body of practice within either the Finnish, European or international social work mainstream? Or put more simply, how could or should eco-social work practice develop over the next two to 10 years? Should we go to you, Ingo, first of all? I'd say that's, that's or my hope is uh, it should uh, eco-social work, the principles, and Sato also mentioned social work ethics. So these principles should kind of trickle down in the upcoming years to all kind of uh, parts of uh, spheres of, of social work. So this is about social work education, the, the universities, um, but also certainly social work practice so that everybody uh, understands, every social worker in the near future at least, uh, understands uh, the, the connection between environmental issues and social problems and understands the responsibility of social work as a profession and discipline, understands also that there are many opportunities for social work practice, uh, as we discussed before, also uh, on a small scale in small projects in the daily life when it comes, for example, to the assessment of problems uh, together with clients, with social work addressees. Uh, so that's my hope, that this kind of mindset, uh, the awareness is is there, at least among social workers themselves. And then obviously we need knowledge, we need new skills and competencies, and then also uh, we can have a hopefully, uh, and that's maybe then the longer range uh, goals, or my hope, in the 10 years we might have a bigger influence on society as a, in, as a whole, um, because we become experts on eco-social issues uh, and how to how to tackle them. Um, so that would be, yeah, these are some, some of my, my ideas and hopes. Another thing that I hope for the future happens that all social work code of ethics are, um, are revised uh, and uh, will integrate or in implement um, environmental uh, issues and state clearly that social work as a discipline and profession is uh, also responsible for environmental protection and um, to kind of uh, include environmental justice also there. That's an important task. And um, uh, there is some new research that many uh, newer codes of ethics are, uh, uh, they have already integrated some of these principles. Uh, I know in Finland, there's a process going on in Germany as well. We just started a discussion with German colleagues on how to revise the German code of ethics and groups from the professional association are very interested in that. So this is something that uh, these processes take a long time. So it's not maybe happening within the next one or two years, but uh, within the next five years, I think this should become uh, kind of like a global standard for social work codes of ethics. 
Very interesting you should talk about that because just coming uh, quickly to the example of Australia, we have a, a quite well-written National Social Work Code of Ethics published by the peak professional uh, body here, the Australian Association of Social Workers in 2020. That code commendably does mention uh, in a number of sections uh, relevance and importance of physical environmental issues and problems to social work practice here. However, I've not been aware of much subsequent activity then devoted to educating and encouraging mainstream social workers as to how those code principles of physical environmental concern should or could be taken into their everyday practice. Or, for instance, how social work employing organisations should or could be taking them on board. So I think, you know, the devil's in the detail here, as it always is the case. I mean, there's words on paper or on digital documents, but how do they get lifted off the page and actually incorporated into real everyday practice? I mean, that's always the test of the rhetoric reality gap, as I might term it. You've got the rhetoric. What's the reality on the ground? And and Satu, what's your take on what could or should be happening to eco-social work over the next 10 years or so? I'm optimistic. So I, I really wish that uh, what shall take place is kind of a breakthrough of eco-social work uh, as a level of uh, national associations and uh, practice. And although this might sound overly optimistic, I'm also thinking that uh, a lot has also changed within the past uh, 10, 20, uh, 20 years. So I think that there is an there is a need to acknowledge the environmental or ecological issues as as part of uh, part of social work, and I I believe that this realization is uh, is taking place. <clears throat> what I would also like to see taking place is is kind of uh, professional social work reviving its connections with uh, social work as a movement, uh, and uh, and I think that it's important to collaborate with social and environmental movements and also collaborate uh, across disciplines and, and together with other professionals. Uh, yeah, because this is, <laughs> the eco-social work is, is part of a broader process and of course it's not social workers alone, but we, we and, and uh, even in grassroots eco-social practices, we also need knowledge from 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 other fields and and processes so for instance if we try to organize ways to live sustainably locally also for the for the poor and marginalized people for instance is establishing community gardens whatsoever not every social worker necessarily is a great garden so we we have to sort of draw in uh various kinds of know-how from from the people but also from from other fields and sort of learn to learn to sort of utilize and also enjoy from all these possibilities. Fantastic comments. And I, I suppose, you know, just taking up that last point um, about the need for greater sharing of information. So I might just get another plug in for my wheelbarrow, metaphorical wheelbarrow idea of a massive open online course for eco-social work practice um, generated through collaborative international scholarship. Let's come to the final summarizing question, because um, we're at, at the end of this enjoyable and thought-provoking interview. And you've outlined a number of uh, stimulating ideas that the audience can reflect upon after this podcast. You know, on that basis that people tend to remember the first and last thing they're told, could you do a bit of a summary for listeners, a short take-home message or one key idea from your interview today or another piece of information you think is, is missing and, and you want to you know, put into the public square that best represents your viewpoint? Um, so let's start with you, Ingo, in terms of a summarising comment. 
to summarize, it is quite difficult, but I would say that there are a lot of uh, positive signs. So there is a reason for optimism. And this also counts for social work education, from my experiences in Finland and in, in Germany as well. So um, I just hope that it will continue and it's hopefully accelerating so that we have uh, courses on eco-social work uh, in every social work um, uh, study programs, that it appears also in other fields such as social work ethics, etc. Um, so that's just my hope. And I think we're on a good way, but we, as, as maybe other groups and the whole society, we need to get better and uh, faster um, because uh, the problems are so huge. But I'm still optimistic. Well, that's a great quality to have. And um, so on question five, on that summarizing question, Sati, what's your, what would you like to put across to the audience that helps, you know, sum up what you've been saying today and, and your main sort of interests? Yeah, for maybe for me, the the way to summarize eco-social work and its its meaningfulness is is kind of a sentence I've been re- repeating many times, and uh, that's that's uh, that there is no social or economic or cultural sustainability without ecological sustainability. So that's kind of the backbone. And then on the other hand, we live in a complex world, so uh, it's difficult to achieve ecological sustainability without these other forms of sustainability. So they have to go hand in hand uh, anyhow. Uh, at any rate, we, we need to acknowledge our fundamental dependency on the on the earth and, and the multiple life forms that are here around us and really quickly do our best to orientate towards a post-fossil and post-consumerist and post-mass extinction world. Uh, and towards a world that is not only ecologically sustainable, but also wor- worth living. <laughs> so how we do it really uh, matters. And I think there then uh, there is an awful lot that social work and uh, eco-social work especially can do to facilitate, facilitate this uh, process. Uh, I think what, what it comes to these uh, ethical codes, <laughs> one of the difficulties to get kind of uh, <clears throat> clear-cut practice guidelines is that we have to be inventing this practice uh, all the time. So it's I also find it kind of restrictive just to say that do this, do do, do not do do that. Uh, but uh, anyhow, of course, it's kind of clear that the field of social work and social welfare has to take care that its own practices are also ecologically sound and also help people to orient towards less consumerist, less extractive, uh, good, nevertheless good uh, lives and lifestyles. And we have to renew our ethics so that it also includes this uh, global uh, and and intergenerational justice issues and also um, environmental justice issues and that, that we take into account also other life forms on earth and that we have to do an awful amount of emotional work and support that kind of emotional processes because they are they are an important part of these changes that we have to do and collaborate with others <laughs> so <clears throat> and possibly many other things but this is the kind of list i can start with well, folks, um, Satu and Ingo, Ingo and Satu, thanks very much for that. That completes the interview. Thank you so much for the pleasure of talking with you today. You've given our audience some great ideas, posed some interesting questions about eco-social work training and its implications for social work practice. And we all hope this may help inform our audience's own thinking on such topics, help them start their own 
practice-oriented conversations with their friends, colleagues within employing organisations and professional associations. But for now, it just remains for me on behalf of my support organisation, Householders Options to Protect the Environment, to say goodbye and thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> I can say in Finnish, moi moi. Uh, yeah, mukava päivän jatkoa. So, uh, wish you a nice continuity of the day as well. <laughs> from my side, thanks for the invitation and um, goodbye. You've been listening to a podcast episode in the series Eco Social Work in Australia, produced for Householders' Options to Protect the Environment. Please consult the episode text notes for possible references to topics discussed and relevant contact details should you wish to respond to anything you've heard. My name is Andrew Nicholson, producer of the series, and thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please consider giving it a rating in your podcast app.